Foreign Relations Committee will come to order. Today, we're here to exercise a statutory responsibility for Congress to review agreements related to the cooperation on civil nuclear programs, also known as one, two, three agreements between the United States and foreign nations. The agreement in question is a renewal of the one, two, three agreement between the U.S. and the Kingdom of Norway. As a part of our due diligence, we must consider the political, economic, and security aspects of this agreement and weigh the risks and benefits before moving forward. The initial agreement with Norway was in force from July 84 until July 2014. Since that time, it has, it's been a lapsed agreement. The United States and Norway have a longstanding partnership on nuclear cooperation that goes back for more than half a century. Today, Norway runs the Halden Reactor Project, which serves as a critical, critical asset to the U.S. nuclear industry. President Obama transmitted the proposed text of a new 30-year agreement for congressional review on June 14, 2016. Today, we will examine this agreement uh, and how it advances U.S. strategic, political, and economic interest, if it advances U.S. nonproliferation objectives, and any key concerns that the administration has about this agreement, as well as how those concerns might be mitigated. I'm particularly concerned regarding potential issues with export controls and ensuring that none of our agreements help bad actors in getting dual-use technology or other sensitive materials. I look forward to hearing from our witness, Assistant Secretary Countryman, who's no stranger to this committee. Thank you again for being here. And with that, I'd like to recognize a distinguished ranking member for his comments, uh, Senator Markey. Uh, thank you, uh, Mr. Chairman, very much. And uh, thank you for having this hearing. And we thank uh, Secretary Countryman for his visit once again to our committee. He's definitely at the top five all-time visitors to this committee. <laughs> Nobody has be. bigger issues <laughs> more frequently being considered before the committee. Uh, and, uh, and I thank you, Mr. Chairman, for help, helping to construct a forum by which we can review this agreement. Uh, <clears throat> and it, it gives us an important opportunity to discuss the difficult and vital issues surrounding our global nuclear nonproliferation policies. Since the 1970s, the United States has tried to discourage other countries from engaging in uranium enrichment and spent fuel processing. These activities can be used to produce fuel either for power plants or for nuclear bombs. Without enrichment or reprocessing, states cannot produce the material needed for nuclear weapons. So the restriction on these technologies represents a powerful tool for global nonproliferation. Unfortunately, many of our nuclear cooperation agreements depart from the objective of discouraging the production of weapons usable material by permitting countries to reprocess U.S. obligated spent fuel. This recent agreement with Norway, Norway is regrettably an example of such an agreement. The agreement does prohibit Norway from enriching U.S. obligated fuel without our consent but it provides Norway with advanced consent to retransfer spent fuel for reprocessing to the United Kingdom, France, or any other country that we agree to. This is similar to the consent that we have provided to a number of other countries, including Japan. Norway's record with respect to nonproliferation is not an issue here. As a founding member of NATO, Norway is one of our closest allies, and it is a member in good standing of virtually every institution comprising the global nonproliferation regime, including the NPT and the IAEA. What is at issue is the decision to sign yet another agreement that legitimizes the continued use of a technology that threatens U.S. national security. 
Norway is an exemplary ally, but this agreement is far from exemplary. The United States should not be signing additional nuclear cooperation agreements that encourage reprocessing. Even when we sign agreements with trusted allies like Norway and Japan, we must consider the example that these agreements set for other countries. We must recognize that this sort of nuclear trade with Norway could make it harder for us to say no to the same kind of nuclear trade with other countries. We should be raising global nonproliferation standards, not lowering them. This agreement comes at a sensitive moment for global nonproliferation. In East Asia, both China and Japan have plans to construct commercial scale spent fuel reprocessing facilities. If completed, these facilities could produce thousands of pounds of weapons usable material and trigger a new plutonium arms race. As Secretary Countryman rightly informed this committee in March, reprocessing, quote, has little, if any, economic justification. And as Secretary Moniz said earlier this year, China's plan to construct a reprocessing facility in cooperation with the French firm Arriva, quote, certainly isn't a positive in terms of nonproliferation. That's why Senator Rubio and I introduced legislation earlier this year to condition U.S. nuclear cooperation with China. By tightening our control over China's right to reprocess U.S. obligated material, we would reinforce Secretary Moniz's message that reprocessing endangers global security. Unfortunately, that message is not reflected in this proposed nuclear cooperation agreement with Norway. Norway does not even have a nuclear power program, yet the United States is providing Norway with advanced consent to transfer our spent fuel for reprocessing. If reprocessing is economically unjustifiable and militarily dangerous, why should any agreement we sign provide advanced consent to engage in this activity? Mr. Chairman, I sincerely hope that this hearing will provide the members of this committee the opportunity to discuss this issue and to discuss broader issues about the risks that agreements like this one can pose to global security. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Senator Markey. Uh, now we'll turn to our witness. Our witness today is the Honorable Thomas M. Countryman. He currently serves as the Assistant Secretary of State for International Security and Nonproliferation. In this capacity, Mr. Countryman leads the Bureau at the head of the U.S. effort to prevent the spread of nuclear, chemical, and biological weapons, their related materials, and delivery systems. Thank you so much for being here again and sharing your thoughts and viewpoints with us today. We remind you that your full statement will be included in the record without objection, so if you would please keep your remarks to more than five minutes to start, uh, we'd appreciate it. Uh, and uh, I'll turn it over to you, uh, Secretary Countryman. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I want to thank you and Senator Markey for taking the time to hold this hearing. We take very seriously our obligation to keep you fully briefed on nuclear cooperation agreements, both at the staff level and at the member level, just as I know you take very seriously your review of these agreements. So I always welcome these opportunities. This agreement is straightforward. It contains all of the requirements that are in the Atomic Energy Act, the United States legislation. It includes the necessary reference to additional safeguards under the IAEA, the International Atomic Energy Agency. It has a 30-year duration, and uh, as Senator Markey has already noted, it has one, uh, one clause that is not 
in every one, two, three agreement, but that is far from unprecedented, having to do with the retransfer of irradiated nuclear material to the UK or France. Uh, I will be surprised if you find anything surprising in this agreement. It is straightforward, but it is far from insignificant for two reasons. First, Norway is an important US ally. Beyond that, I would say it would be difficult to find a country with a better record as a model citizen of the world than Norway, not only in their commitment to the security of Europe as a NATO member, but in their generosity in helping to address issues as diverse as environmental, developmental, and non-proliferation issues around the world. Secondly, it is significant because the Halden Research Reactor that you mentioned, which is, the <coughs> uh, is a center for nuclear research of benefit not only to the U.S. government and several U.S. partners, several U.S. agencies under the Department of Energy are partners with Norway, but also for U.S. commercial industry in the nuclear field. And this agreement, its primary effect will be to facilitate that research. For both these reasons, we consider the agreement to be important. If I may take just a moment to address Senator Markey's concern. First, I would note that the advanced consent to permit transfer of irradiated nuclear material to the UK and France is not unprecedented. As noted, it is contained in other places, uh, in agreements with other countries. In the case of Norway, there are no power reactors. There is not a significant amount of waste generated that it can't be compared to that of a power generation reactor. Uh, secondly, the uh, transfer of such material for reprocessing or for storage to the UK or France means it is transferred to our most trusted partners. It is not, it does not become available for any kind of nuclear weapons use. Happy to go into this in more detail, uh, but I look forward to answering any of these and any other questions you have. Thank you, uh, Secretary. Um, let me follow up on that last comment very quickly, if I may. I, this is uh, just my own, uh, of course, I've got several I want to get to here, and we'll go back and forth. We have plenty of time, so thank you so much for your remarks and for being here and for all your hard work in this area. Um, Senator Nunn's a friend of mine, and he praises the work that you do, uh, and you make our world safer, so thank you. The, the transfer you're talking about, there is a coalition potential, uh, as I understand, the trilateral uh, agreement uh, possibility. Is there any possibility that other countries, that, that this material could be transferred uh, under this uh, potential agreement? Uh, spent fuel, that is irradiated nuclear material, could be transferred from Norway to another country with our consent. We have not given advanced consent except in the case of transfer to the UK and France. Great. Um, as, as you mentioned, uh, this, the current agreement uh, lapsed. We've got an, uh, the new agreement was transmitted uh, in June, and now we're up against a clock, it looks like, in terms of the 90-day continuous days in session, as I understand it. I've got several questions around that agreement. A, why did it take two years to, to renegotiate? Two, 
how have we been operating in the two years while we've been negotiating? Uh, three, what are the economic and scientific implications of that two-year period? And then lastly, um, how would a new agreement benefit uh, both the U.S. and its security issues, but also uh, international trade and U.S. interests there? As you were so kind to note, I've been up here to discuss several one, two, three agreements. Uh, ones that were far more complex and time-consuming to negotiate than the agreement with Norway. It was, quite frankly, a low priority, and neither the Norwegian government nor the U.S. institutions that make use of the Halden Research Reactor identified it to us as an urgent priority. As soon as they did, we commenced negotiations. They were completed faster than with any other country. Uh, but you're correct that uh, they weren't completed in time to have the agreement go into effect by normal procedures before the end of this year. Uh, this does not have a significant effect either on the reactor or upon U.S. companies uh, for two reasons. Uh, one, the primary export that we're talking about from the United States is research material. Mm -hmm. That is, uh, fuel assembly plates, for example, that a private U.S. civil nuclear uh, company would want to test in this reactor. Mm -hmm. uh, Secondly, we have the alternative mechanism, which we have employed in other cases, primarily involving research reactors, uh, where we can do a uh, project supply agreement through the International Atomic Energy Agency and the same safeguards and controls that are contained in our 123 agreement with that agency are applied directly to the export. Uh, so while uh, I would have been happier to have finished this sooner. Uh, I don't believe it will have a significant effect upon our cooperation or upon the success of the research efforts that U.S. agencies and U.S. companies undertake with the help of Norway. Can we go back to uh, the agreement uh, and what it says about transferring and uh, uh, for storage or reprocessing? Uh, the UK and France is is uh, uh, there. Those are, are identified in here, but other countries or destinations may be agreed upon in writing. Uh, is also I think that's the specific language. Does Norway have plans to to transfer spent fuel uh, for storage or reprocessing? If not, what's the purpose of this provision? Just curious. <coughs> it has no plan plans that I am aware of. Uh, I think that the purpose of the provision is to make explicit that they will not transfer to another country without our consent. Uh, I wouldn't want to leave it ambiguous that if they went somewhere other than the UK and France, they would not need our consent. Russia is a member of this consortium, as I, I just mentioned, uh, relative to uh, the Halden Research Facility. Uh, I, I'm not clear on how many countries are in that consortium, but. Uh, would the administration support um, shipping spent fuel to Russia for reprocessing, or China for that matter? Uh, first, I would note that all research activities that occur at the Halden Research Reactor are peaceful in nature. They are in full compliance with the International Atomic Energy Agency's safeguards. Uh, and uh, that includes any Russian or any other country's research projects that occur there. Secondly, I'm not aware of any intent or any reason for Norway to seek to send uh, irradiated nuclear material to Russia or China. 
when they have a satisfactory arrangement for these small quantities with the United Kingdom and France. Thank you. I've got other questions, but I'll defer the ranking member at, at this point, Senator Markey. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, very much. Um, thank you again for uh, testifying before our committee. And again, I want to start by returning to the issue I raised in my opening remarks, which is the danger of spent fuel reprocessing. As you testified in March, reprocessing makes no financial sense. But it is not only economically unjustifiable, it is also dangerous. And that is particularly true in East Asia, where additional plutonium stockpiling would destabilize the region and increase the risk of diplomatic and military confrontation. What concerns me about this proposed agreement is not that Norway could acquire nuclear weapons. Norway has unambiguously renounced nuclear weapons. And it is deeply embedded in global nonproliferation institutions. What concerns me is that by allowing Norway to export our spent nuclear fuel to other countries for reprocessing, we are, as a country, promoting a technology that is bad for nonproliferation. That makes it even more difficult for us to persuade other countries, including those in East Asia and the Middle East, not to pursue this technology or to build large-scale facilities that use it. And it makes it hard for us to discourage other nuclear suppliers like France from proliferating reprocessing technology. So my first question to you, Mr. Secretary, is do you agree that discouraging spent fuel reprocessing would strengthen the global nonproliferation regime? Uh, yes. If I might make a couple of comments, I hope you can accept that I agree with many of your premises but not all of your conclusions. Uh, First, uh, I'm previously on the record in this room in saying that uh, reprocessing, that is the production of plutonium, uh, has little economic justification and it raises serious concerns about nonproliferation. That remains our policy. It remains our policy to discourage additional countries from developing enrichment and reprocessing technology when there is no economic or security need to do so and it only enhances questions of both nuclear security uh, and uh, proliferation. I do not agree that this agreement in any way encourages Norway to pursue such technology. There is nothing, no intent of Norway that I've ever heard of to develop an indigenous enrichment or reprocessing capability. Uh, the fact is that we uh, do trust the United Kingdom and France because of a long record of in operating transparently and under IAEA safeguards that there is no possibility that the minute quantities of spent fuel that might be transferred from Norway have any risk of ending up as a proliferation threat. And again, um it's not about Norway. It's about an example which is set. It's about a precedent that is set. It's about further momentum which is created towards a reprocessing world that ultimately increases the likelihood 
of these nuclear materials falling into the hands of those who would use them for purposes that our nonproliferation policy is intended to stop. So if we take the case of France, which um, will be allowed to receive the Norway nuclear materials, right now, both in China and Japan, reprocessing facilities are being constructed with the help of France. Um, so from my perspective, we should be trying to discourage Japan and China. The French are helping to construct reprocessing facilities in China. Uh, by saying that we give permission for Norway to take our nuclear materials to um, France, we're just sending a, a dual message you know, uh, that uh, would be hard to miss by uh, the uh, French, uh, that with a little bit of a wink here, it's all fine. You know, we appreciate your business, you know, and that we're going to actually, I guess at the end of this session of Congress, somehow or other urgently have to pass a 123 agreement. Okay, <clears throat> and so, you know, from my perspective, I think that, again, it raises these longer term issues where uh, nuclear nonproliferation is supposed to be our highest goal, trumping all other issues because of what the consequences are if we ever face that day. But simultaneously, we just piece by piece kind of chip away at it uh, and then not expect other countries in the world to just wonder about the depth of our sincerity. Uh, and especially when you're partnering with France that uh, sees this as an area of enormous commercial benefit for them, even though we've already established uh, that it is non-economic as a technology. So that's the core of my problem, um, Mr. Secretary. It always has been, and it continues to be, where we, you know, kind of teach, uh, we kind of try to preach temperance, but from a bar stool, you know, <laughs> saying don't do it, but yet here, once again, we're going to allow Norway to take our materials and take it to France, who is itself, which is itself a, a country that does believe in this reprocessing technology. So at the end of the day, we wind up being part of this with that wink and nod uh, to this ultimately very dangerous technology that someday very well could come back to haunt the world. If I may, I would first note <clears throat> that China, of course, has long had a capacity for reprocessing the project that you refer to to construct a large civilian reprocessing plant as opposed to their military reprocessing plants has been on the books for a number of years. It has not been concluded. Construction has not begun. It remains an intent rather than a construction project. Uh, can, I I look say, can I just say the same is true for Norway? No. Running their nuclear fuel. It's, it's no, I they don't, have don't agree at all. Well, they don't have an intent to do it right now, you said. They don't have an intent to do it. They right. don't have a capability to do it. Right. They don't have a need to do it. They don't mm -hmm. have permission to involve U.S. technology in order to do it. It's a completely different situation. Uh, in terms of uh, <coughs> what encourages or not, <coughs> as I said, we don't see a need for any new country to develop enrichment or reprocessing technology. Uh, 
if we were to say to countries, we don't want you to have enrichment technology, and in fact, we don't want you to use the enrichment capabilities that already exist in other countries, it would be a self-defeating argument. And the same is true for reprocessing, that if it would not be effective to say to any country, reprocessing is so horrible that you cannot use existing safeguarded facilities in order to reduce the level of waste that must be stored. Finally, I will do my best to get you an accurate number on what quantity of irradiated fuel is actually produced annually by this reactor and where it goes to. I apologize, I don't have that today at my fingertips. That's fine. Now, in your view, do additional advanced consent agreements make it easier or harder for the United States to discourage other countries from engaging in spent fuel reprocessing? Uh, I would have to know which country you're talking about and what size of program we're talking about. My answer would be, of course, um, makes it harder to discourage other countries the deeper we get involved in the, in the industry ourselves, even indirectly, as you're saying here. How does granting advanced consent affect our ability to discourage nuclear suppliers from signing their own agreements that allow for reprocessing? Sorry, could you say that once more? How does granting advanced consent affect our ability to discourage nuclear suppliers from signing their own agreements that allow for reprocessing? Well, I think a couple of things got mixed in that question. Uh, again, there is nothing in this agreement that says Norway has advanced consent to build a reprocessing facility. Uh, and uh, mixing that with advanced consent to build reprocessing, I don't understand the connection, honestly. Okay. Well, why does nuclear research with Norway require reprocessing? I don't, I'm not aware that it does. Why are we passing or considering legislation? First, the nuclear research, and again, I will do my best to get you a more detailed description of the research that goes on at Holden, but it is a wide range of research just as at U.S. nuclear facilities as well. Uh, and the research includes important data about health and safety issues and about the, uh, uh, what do you call it, endurance or wear issues for nuclear components. Those are essential for uh, the nuclear industry. I am not aware that they produce large quantities of waste. And I, <coughs> in the United States, most of uh, any spent material from a research reactor is likely to go to dry cask storage rather than to reprocessing. Uh, I will find out for you if Norway has done anything that requires reprocessing. Uh, I'll look into it. Um, and, and I just apologize, just finish if you don't mind. Um, are there other alternatives to reprocessing that we could suggest to the Norwegians, including the United States playing a role in the storage of that uh, spent fuel? I certainly have no authority to offer to other countries storage of their spent fuel in the United States. Well, again, I, I would say that we're giving them permission to reprocess it in other countries, um, providing an alternative 
to avoid the reprocessing option, which has proliferation uh, implications, uh, and offering other alternatives, it seems to me, should be explored as a way of solving Norway's problem, you know, without actually yet creating another uh, exception to the non-proliferation uh, policy. Um, I would, uh, let me make a general statement that probably needs to be more specific, which is U.S. legislation would not an allow the executive branch to offer other countries the option to store spent fuel in the United States. Uh, would it prohibit us helping Norway to store it in their own country? No. No. So would that be a safe alternative? Yes. Yes. So we're trying to encourage people, I would think, to not act in a way that's uh, uneconomic, which is reprocessing, to also offer uh, to also act in a way which can provide a safe alternative, which um, I think is available, uh, and to not further go down this pathway of passing 123 agreements, which unfortunately send the wrong signal to the rest of the world. That's what my conclusion would be. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Senator Gardner. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, thank you, Secretary Countryman, for being here. Appreciate the opportunity to visit with you again multiple times before the committee over the past uh, year, two years, so thank you. Uh, wondering if I could shift topics uh, from the current discussion right now, if you don't mind, uh, to North Korea, uh, if we could. In light of the recent uh, nuclear detonation again in North Korea, uh, could you perhaps uh, explain or tell the committee what you see in terms of the North Korean nuclear program uh, developments thus far? Uh, do you believe this is fully indigenized at this point? Uh, have they made advancements? Uh, would uh, appreciate the opportunity to receive the update. Um, again, I can, uh, what if I said I didn't want to talk about change and <laughs> stuff? All right, it, it, I'm happy to, sir. Thank you. Um, first, in terms of a description of the North Korean nuclear program, we would be happy uh, to get the best analysts from various agencies here for a closed briefing who could give you far better detail than I could. Uh, what I would say is uh, clearly uh, every time you do a nuclear test, you advance in knowledge. Uh, it's why the United States did several hundred nuclear tests. Uh, the, uh, uh, what exactly they have learned from the latest nuclear test. Again, I'd have to get experts here uh, to talk to you about that. It is primarily an indigenous program. It does rely upon supply of some material from outside uh, North Korea, and that's why my bureau, in cooperation with a number of other government agencies, works so hard to aggravate at every turn North Korean efforts at procurement or at earning hard currency to fund such procurement. Uh, the fact remains that uh, the United States has not, will not accept North Korea as a nuclear state. Where are the primary, these uh, some material outside of North Korea, where is the primary source of that outside material coming from? I think uh, primarily from uh, private dealers uh, in China and Russia, but not limited to those two states. And what type of material are we talking about? Are we talking 
Yeah, but if you can here. Uh, I'd rather do that in a classified briefing. Very good. Uh, and in terms of uh, China's provisions, these, these companies, these private sources in China, uh, are these front businesses, North Korean front businesses, or are they actual China businesses that are being allowed to move forward, or just illicit actors doing illicit things? Uh, I think it's all of the above. It is uh, North Korea runs an extensive network of front companies, not only in China, but in other countries around the world. Uh, their uh, business contacts extend to a number of non-state-owned uh, companies in China, as well as in other countries. Uh, the, and those companies may or may not be aware that they are dealing with a North Korean entity. And these sources uh, that are providing material uh, to North Korea for the nuclear program in China, do you know if they are currently under investigation under the North Korea Sanctions Enhancement Act that we passed? I'm sorry, which entities exactly? Uh, the entities that are providing from China the nuclear material or the, the nuclear-related material. Uh, the United States has uh, previously designated North Korean front companies in uh, various countries and will continue to do so as the evidence warrants. Uh, in addition, uh, the, we have a uh, regular and I think a productive dialogue with the Chinese government about more effective uh, enforcement of sanctions resolutions. Mm -hmm. In terms of Pakistan and North Korea, we had a hearing last week, earlier this week, uh, on Pakistan, some discussion about uh, past activities between the two nations and proliferation in the AQ Khan network. Uh, any indication that that uh, relationship exists today at a nuclear level? Uh, I don't have any. Okay. Thank you. Mr. Chairman, thank you. Thank you. I want to go back to uh, the uh, Norway deal just a minute. You know, with the clock being what it is and, and the 90-day the, the continuous session uh, situation, is, is the administration considering a trilateral supply agreement between U.S., Norway, and IAEA? If they are, why would they consider that versus resubmitting a one, two, three agreement uh, in the next Congress? The second thing is, would Norway approve of that? And could a trilateral agreement be reached in time for approval in September or at the September or November board meeting of the IAEA? And would you predict that this agreement would be approved by the IAEA board? Uh, and lastly, uh, if they did, what, you know, if a trilateral agreement were, were accomplished, what would be our role? Would, would the Senate be consulted about that? Uh, okay, several questions there. Right. In, in what you refer to as a trilateral, I, I call a PSA, a project supply agreement. Uh, we, as I noted, we have used this mechanism previously because it allows us to take the very strong one, two, three agreement we have with the International Atomic Energy Agency and uh, transfer through the IAEA the material in question with all the controls that are contained in that agreement. I'm sorry to uh, interrupt. Is there any difference in the quantity and the procedures of transfer under a one, two, three versus a trilateral? Uh, we prefer to do it under one, two, three. It's more straightforward. You don't need to involve the IAEA, and you don't need the approval of the Board of Governors of the IAEA, and that, that is why we do one, two, threes. Um, the, uh, there is a meeting of the Board of Governors next week. Uh, the 
project supply agreement will not be ready to submit to them. I expect it will be submitted, and I see no obstacle to it being approved at a Board of Governors meeting in November. Uh, whenever we employ a project and supply agreement, we brief congressional staff on this as we do on developments under the 123. Sorry to interrupt again. If we were to do that, if the administration were to do that, would that preclude then a 123 being negotiated and presented to the next Congress after uh, the first of the year? No. Is no, that, no, no. Would that be the current administration's intent? Uh, In other yes. words, what I'm asking is we've had two years of lapse of this. We haven't done a PSA or a trilateral yeah. in that two years. Why, why rush into that now relative to the fact that we're a couple months away from a new administration? Yeah, I uh, honestly am not trying to rush anybody. Uh, well, I apologize for the use of the word rush. No, no, no. <laughs> but we are in a 90-day period or a period where we really don't have time to do the normal uh, oversight of this agreement. So that, that brings into play the, the need possibly to do uh, a PSA, as you say. Uh, yes. Why did we submit it now instead of waiting till next year? First, because it was ready. Second, no, that, like that's not my question. Oh, okay. The question is whether you go to a PSA now yeah. versus this agreement. This one, I, I see the one, two, three agreement. Then the question is, uh, as I understand it, the administration is considering a trilateral or a PSA agreement in the interim, and I have two questions. One is, would they then move? To, would they? Uh, would that preclude us from doing a one, two, three? And the second question is, why? Why do a PSA now at all? Yeah. Okay. On the first question, it absolutely uh, the PSA does not preclude the need for the one, two, three. On uh, the second question, the reason to do it now is because of specific research projects that U.S. private companies have made arrangements with the research reactor in Norway. Uh, what we would need to export under the PSA is not a reactor or uh, a reload of the fuel. It is actually the research material that's going to be tested in the reactor. Uh, in general, it should be possible to predict those things longer in advance, and that's why I would have been happier if we had finished the one, two, three earlier mm. this year. Uh, but it is a need that will arise not necessarily on a regular, predictable basis, but will arise more than once over the next 30 years. So the one, two, three that allows the direct transfer of research materials without going through the IAEA is obviously preferable. Have they transferred material during the two-year period of elapsed agreement? Uh, not to my knowledge. We haven't done a PSA, no. Okay, thank you. Could you and talk that, about that gives you an indication right. of how frequently we need it. Right, that's why I was asking. Yeah. So there, there's a need now. That's the purpose of the potential PSA, I understand. Um, would you be willing to provide um, an assessment of Norway's improvements on their export controls? And are you comfortable with that um, given some of their history in recent times? Yeah. Um, the short answer is, um, yes, I'm comfortable with the professionalism and the diligence of Norwegian export controls. There was uh, one particular case that you may be aware of that I won't go into detail here that we raised with the Norwegian government, and the answer was fully satisfactory, both in terms of the action taken in that particular case and in uh, reviewing their procedures. So I have no concerns about their capabilities. And what it, since Russia is a member of the Halden Research Consortium, can you t tell us a little bit about how they interact in that 
consortium and uh, give us some comfort that there's no risk uh, to U.S. technology in that relationship. Uh, I didn't bring any research physicists with me. Uh, <laughs> um, let me get you a more precise answer. Let me give you a, uh, uh, an unscientific answer, but I think it has the essence of the situation. And that is, in a research reactor, you normally are doing one or possibly two or three projects at a time. Uh, if there is a project that is sponsored by an American company, they are the ones using the reactor in cooperation with the Norwegian authorities. If it is the Department of Energy that is researching a particular issue, they are the ones involved. If it is a Russian research center that's doing it, they do their thing. Uh, each country that contracts for use of the reactor for a research project manages their own project. Thank you. But I, I'll, I'll give you a, an answer with longer words. Okay, thank you. Uh, one last quick question before I turn it back over to the ranking member. Um, let's go move to, let's move to the, uh, Norway's role in the JCPOA, if, if we could briefly. You mentioned in your testimony that Norway's pledged over a million dollars to support the IAEA's verification activities under the, the JCPOA. You also mentioned that Norway provided support to swap natural uranium for Iran's enriched uranium in accordance with the JCPOA in December of 2015. Given the earlier contribution to the implementation of JCPOA, how else might Norway participate in the implementation or otherwise reap benefits of the JCPOA? Uh, I'm not aware that Norway is looking to reap benefits from the JCPOA. Uh, I think rather uh, as in keeping with uh, their generosity to all kinds of important causes around the world, uh, the fact is that they contribute a higher percentage of their JD GDP to development goals than just about any country on earth. Uh, maybe it is the highest. Uh, they saw that there was a need for funding in order to complete a transportation process that would make it possible for us to achieve our goal of moving enriched uranium out of Iran and allow the Iranians to reach implementation day. And as I know from experience on other such projects, the Norwegians can approve funding projects such as that far faster than Brussels or Washington or any other capital you can name. That's, that's, a, low, that's a low bar. Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> I meant to make it more impressive. <laughs> Understood. Thank you. Uh, Senator Markey. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, very much. Um, so the need for the joint research between the United States and Norway at uh, Halden in Norway appears to be the main reason for a new 123 agreement. And uh, projects at Halden include a Department of Energy run program for testing accident tolerant nuclear fuel, testing of aging reactor components and other safety research by NRC, irradiation testing 
of advanced nuclear fuels developed by Lightbridge Corporation of McLean, Virginia. And the Nuclear Energy Re uh, Institute, the lobbying arm of the nuclear power industry in the U.S. has argued that without a 123 agreement, U.S. access to Halden Research Reactor will be severely limited. So uh, tell us a little bit about what this company Lightbridge will be doing in Norway, please. I will check and I will get you additional details, but my understanding is that they are facilitating uh, uh, testing of uh, fuel assembly plates. Am I off? <laughs> ah, thank you. <laughs> Sorry, this is in the last paragraph. Uh, yes. Uh, Lightbridge uh, has uh, submitted a request to the NRC, the Nuclear Regulatory Commission here, uh, to review a fuel design developed for U.S. utilities, that is use in the U.S. nuclear fleet, uh, in anticipation of an application for the use of that fuel assembly in a U.S. pressurized water reactor in the near future. Right. And so I guess my question is, why can't they do that in the United States? Why do we have to pass a 123 agreement that blows another hole through our nonproliferation policy when it's the, did you say it's the Nuclear Energy Institute, the Edison Electric Institute? In other words, the nuclear, the domestic nuclear power industry is the wealthiest industry in the United States. So, and they have research capacity all over this country. Why, why can't they just do it here so that we don't have to, in the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, pass a 123 agreement to allow them to do it in Norway? And they're doing it, I guess what you're saying is they're doing it for U.S. military and civilian nuclear power plants? Is that what you're saying? It is research that is related to the effectiveness and safety of fuel assemblies right. for use in civilian reactors Here. in the U.S. And we don't have that capacity? I don't know. I think we do. So I, I, I don't understand why, again, we would move to our nonproliferation policy as a solution for a, a private sector uh, problem that's from the definition of what they're going to be doing with it, strict, strictly contained within the United States. I would line up with you if I thought that this agreement in any way undermined our strong stand on nonproliferation, but we'll again, continue every, to disagree. Again, that's, that. a, that's a philosophical disagreement. Every time we do it, there should be a good reason. <laughs> that's my view. We just shouldn't be doing this you know, because a company just finds it convenient when you could probably find a capacity in the United States to do the same thing. There's a vast industry in America doing nuclear reactor research work. Um, and, uh, and the Nuclear Regulatory Commission is arguing that they have to go to Sweden in order to test aging reactor components. Uh, and they can't do that here in the United States. We don't have the capacity. I mean, Norway doesn't have a nuclear, you know, domestic industry. We have 100 nuclear power plants here in America, and we don't have a capacity here to test aging, um, you know, nuclear components. 
normally you don't run tests in operating nuclear reactors. Uh, the Soviets tried that in 1986 in Chernobyl. It didn't end happily. Um, the uh, Nuclear Regulatory Commission doesn't enter into it. Uh, it is not their decision that Lightbridge ought to do the testing in Norway or in another location. It is, I presume, a combination of a commercial and a scientific decision. Right. Well, again, the, the Russians in Chernobyl did not have a containment dome. So they, they did not have safety requirements uh, in, in Russia at that time. So in, in the United States, we have a huge nuclear regulatory commission safety infrastructure uh, uh, in place in order to actually help countries like Russia or other countries that might wind up with a nuclear power plant that's gone awry. So we're infinitely more sophisticated than the Russians are in this. You know, the question again, I keep coming back to this, is why does helping Lightbridge require advanced prior consent of the United States government? That's a big step to take uh, to give a country, you know, the ability to, you know, transfer these nuclear materials. Would any of these materials be American materials that we're potentially talking about? I'll find out for you. Yeah, I think we have to know that. Okay, I mean, we're doing it for a private sector reason. I mean, the, the urgency here comes from, it sounds to me like the, uh, the Nuclear Energy Institute, this company Lightbridge, they're all, you know, up and, you know, active and saying, you know, Senate Foreign Relations Committee, please process this thing. And I understand they're probably sitting out in the room right now. There's probably someone from Lightbridge or the Nuclear Energy Institute sitting out here. But they should be the ones testifying why they cannot do it here domestically. You know, it shouldn't be you. They should be the ones making the case for well, the 123 I, agreement, not not you. I'm it's sorry. a private sector-driven um, uh, piece of legislation at the very end of the session. No, sir. It is not a private sector-driven piece of legislation. It is one that the government of Norway believes is important and that we believe is important. It is an agreement that promotes scientific cooperation that has been beneficial to both countries for 60 years that has both scientific and commercial applications. Uh, if I feel a lot better mm -hmm. about fuel assembly plates that have been tested other than in an operating civilian reactor, uh, the safety implications are great, the uh, commercial implications are important, and the Department of Energy, I'm sorry they weren't able to be here today, would tell you as well in far more uh, uh, clarity than I could, what are the scientific benefits that we get from this agreement? I do not feel that including the same provision on advance consent for retransfer to the UK and France, the same provision that we had in the 1984 agreement with Norway, led in any way to an increased risk of proliferation. If I thought it did, I would be making a very different argument, but I just don't see it. Well, you know, from my perspective, um, it's very disturbing to find that the United States does not have the indigenous capacity to test aging components. It's not what I said. Huh? Excuse me? I did not say that we don't have the capacity. Well, then that our capacity would then be used in order to test these aging components 
in our nuclear power plants without the need for us to have a 123 agreement with Norway. So that's my point. That if, 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 if we're at this point where we need Norway with no nuclear to help a country that has 100 nuclear power plants and we've been doing it for 70 years to, take, to uh, test aging components in our nuclear power plants, you're right. We, we are more like Russia. Okay, we're a lot like Russia. The nuclear industry in America is a lot like Russia that way. Um, because honestly, nuclear power plants are like human beings. You know, um, we, you know, they run down, you know. Their parts internally start to wear out, which is why they have to re replace so many parts inside of nuclear power plants. But to think from my perspective that Norway has to do it for us and that we have to have a 123 agreement to help have Norway help us, to me, as a justification for this, is pretty low. It's pretty low, okay? And, 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 uh, and I just say that quite clearly, unless we just want to keep good relations with them, which is fine, and Norway wants to have a partnership with this company. That's fine. Norway wants to have a partnership with the Nuclear Energy Institute in the United States. That's fine. But from my perspective, I'm, I'm shocked that we don't have the indigenous capacity in the United States to do the testing of aging nuclear uh, parts in a nuclear power plant. I mean, I, ha I have Seabrook in, you know, serving my constituents, the Pilgrim nuclear power plant, to think we're dependent upon the Norwegians, you know, to do this research to make sure that now these aging plants don't um, endanger the public um, is a little bit frightening. I didn't come to this hearing merely understanding why we're doing this, but um, it's, it's becoming more clear to me what is going on here. Um, and and I, just, I guess I would say that, uh, again, I, as an alternative to reprocessing, I would prefer um, dry cast storage, some form of storage for our own materials. Okay? We, we learned how to do that long, long, long ago. Um, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the Norwegians actually have a global seed vault on the island of Spitsbergen. It's very secure, all the seeds of the world. Maybe we could put a couple of spent fuel casts there. No, and that we wouldn't have to reprocess it. It's such a small amount, it sounds like, that we wouldn't have to do this uh, kind of a, a, a change in the law. But, um, you know, this linkage between the uh, Nuclear Energy Institute uh, and this company, uh, which I never heard of uh, until today, Lightbridge, uh, <coughs> and its linkage to this, I think it requires its own hearing. Who are these people? And, uh, and what do they want? And if there's anyone from Lightbridge here, uh, Edison, <coughs> Electric Institute. Is there anyone here from Edison Electric Institute by any chance? Anyone here? Okay, well, maybe that would be a good hearing for us to have so that we can discuss why we're making this exception. Um, thank you, Mr. Chairman. If I might, uh, first I just want to make clear for the record that at no point did I compare the United States nuclear industry to the Russian nuclear industry. Uh, it, secondly, I don't believe I said anything that would lead to the conclusion that the United States has no research reactors or is incapable of doing the same kind of research here. That's not something either you or I know. The uh, third. I think they do have the capacity. See, I think they do. That's, that, that's why it's called the Nuclear Energy Institute. They pay for this vast amount of research that's done for the entire industry, and I think they have the capacity. Fine. I strongly disagree 
that the agreement is intended only for one company or for one research project. I would be very happy to come back with a 90-minute presentation about all the research that has been done at this reactor. Uh, I do not believe that it is in the United States' interest to pursue an autarkic policy of avoiding scientific and technical cooperation in the civilian nuclear field. I think that we have reliable, responsible partners, and Norway is at the top of the list. Mr. Secretary, uh, can, can, I just may add, it's not that, uh, I guess I would use the word apocalyptic, not, what's the word you used? Autarkic. is a good word. Um, but uh, my side of the argument is apocalyptic. You know, why do we continue to take baby steps towards that moment in time if it's unnecessary? So I think that justification, that argument just has to be made. So thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Senator Markey. Um, I'd like to look at what's coming. Uh, I think we've addressed this one pretty well today. Um, can you give us an update on the, on the ongoing negotiations with uh, Saudi Arabia and Jordan and their one, two, three agreements? You know, what are the major issues on, on those two briefly? And then lastly, uh, have rights to, that have been granted to Iran, specifically enrichment rights under the JCPOA, come into play with these conversations with either Jordan or Saudi Arabia? First, uh, for both Jordan and Saudi Arabia, uh, I would say that we continue to be in discussions on this issue, but not in negotiations. We're not working in, on text at the moment. Um, the, uh, the wonderful thing about discussions as opposed to negotiations is that all kinds of issues come up, including- I'm, I'm sorry to For the record, I should have yeah. said, I just want to make clear for the record, we don't have an existing one, two, three with either of these countries today. That's that correct. Right? Thank you. Um, when you have discussions, all kinds of questions can come up, including their views of the Joint Comprehensive Program of Action, of what Iran is doing, of what the U.S. should do in response. It can be difficult to get down to the actual business of putting in the technical requirements that need to be there. It remains the fact that the JCPOA is not a one, two, three agreement. The JCPOA does not create civilian nuclear cooperation between the United States and Iran. Uh, and uh, I think trying to transfer clauses or arguments from one agreement to an agreement that has a totally different purpose uh, is not productive. That doesn't mean it's not a frequent subject of rhetoric. Have the Saudis brought it up specifically? Uh, and and would, the, would the administration be receptive to um, uh, acquiescing on that? To having them bring it up? No, to, having, to, to giving them the right uh, or negotiating the right to uh, allow them to enrich. No. The administration would not be supportive of that? There's no need. Okay. What about Jordan? Is that progressing as well? And, and what's the anticipated timeline of, of either of these? Is anything anticipated there? Uh, nothing is anticipated in the immediate future. Okay. Thank you very much. That concludes my question. Do you have a follow-up? Yep. Thank you, um, Mr. Chairman. Yeah. So, again, I just conclude by saying that uh, we have our own research reactors in the United States. We have our own brilliant scientists here in the United States. Uh, the Edison Electric Institute has its own vast 
you know, research capacity here in the United States. Um, we can disagree about the costs of advanced consent. What we don't know, uh, the benefits, uh, the need part. We don't have the answers to those questions yet. Why do we need to do this? You know, what are the benefits of us doing this? So we still haven't laid that out yet for, you know, for who they are, uh, what those benefits are, <coughs> and why we have to act so soon uh, uh, without having a more comprehensive understanding of why we're doing this, uh, except that we could. Okay? But I just think that that case should be made, you know, and uh, why that domestic capacity does not exist for us to be able to do it if an exception um, has to be made and a 123 agreement has to be done. There must be, there must be a compelling reason for this. And we should uh, hear that reason. And we should hear about the deficiencies in the US um, infrastructure to do that kind of nuclear research capacity here, <coughs> especially on the commercial level, because that seems to be most of what this is about. And I would like to hear that uh, because of this um, direct correlation between <coughs> what uh, what we are trying to preach here uh, and what we could perhaps avoid ever having to give as permission to Norway if we could just solve the problem here domestically. So I think it's an energy issue first uh, <coughs> and a research issue. And if there's some capacity that Norway has that we don't have, I would like to hear it. If they have scientists that, um, that uh, have greater capacity than American scientists, I'd like someone to tell us that. If their facility is more sophisticated in Norway than any we have in the United States, I would like to hear that as well. I would like you to see the argument made, you know, and I think that's the precondition to us understanding why a 123 agreement uh, should be passed. So I thank you, Mr. Chairman, very much, and I thank you, Mr. Countryman, as usual. You know, you're, you're, you're the man. Uh, two quick comments, just to be clear. I'm not demanding, rushing, pushing, encouraging either body to take action on this. Take the time you want. If we haven't answered your questions well enough, as I said, we'll come back with a more detailed briefing. I particularly make that offer because I feel that I uh, haven't served you well today because I don't have the specific answers to your questions about quantities. It's not hard to find out what has happened to the small amounts of spent fuel that have come out of that reactor over the last 50 years. I'll find that out. We can do this again at your convenience. And I thank you. Thank you, sir. Yeah, it would be nice to put that in perspective. Um, but I will remind us all that uh, there's no quantity too small to pay attention to in this area, for sure, <laughs> as you well said. Um, thank you so much again. Uh, and I, I would ask you to do what you've always done. And you've been very gracious and helpful in responding to these open issues. Um, Thank you for that and for the information of members, the record will remain open until close of business Monday, including for members to submit uh, questions for the record. Again, thank you so much for your work. Thank you for being here today. With that, we're adjourned.